Hey, good morning, and good morning to you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome to Mount Airy, and today we uh, have Senior Adult Day, where we really take a moment to recognize and honor the senior adults among us. Uh, I did a little research and I found out that the 21st century is aging fast, especially in the United States. According to one thing that I read, it said that there are already more retirees in the United States than there are teenagers, which is kind of fascinating to think about. <clears throat> and it's interesting, though, when you look at the Bible, how God chose to use, who God chose to use for his purposes. Many times it was an older adult. Now, not all the time. Sometimes God chose a young man like David. But many times the person that God chose to use was an older adult. For example, next week we'll look at this, but Abraham and Sarah, when God chose to birth the nation of Israel through one family, he did not choose a young family. He chose Abraham, who was 100, and Sarah, who was 90. Or when God chose someone to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, he chose Moses, who at the time was 80 years old. And Moses continued to serve God and lead God's people until he was 120 years old. Or Joshua, he's challenged generation with these words. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know that verse is probably hanging on a plaque in your home, but did you know that when Joshua said those words, he was a hundred years old? Choose you this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It was a hundred-year-old man who said that. So if you're a senior adult, don't let the enemy tell you that your best days are behind you. God still may have something for you to do for His purposes and for His glory. And so I want to encourage you in your senior years uh, to do two things. To engage and encourage the next generation. You have wisdom they don't have. You have life experience they don't have. I would encourage you to to encourage and engage the next generation. And that comes straight out of Scripture. Psalm 71, verse 18 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. That's our role. That's our goal. To help the next generation coming behind us understand who God is and what God does. Declare His power and His glory to the next generation. Engage and encourage the younger generation, to walk with God like you have. And so to honor our senior adults, and I'm going to let you decide if you are one, to honor our senior adults, I'm going to ask all of our senior adults to stand right now that we might recognize you and honor you. All of our senior adults, you decide if you are one. <clears throat> there you go. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We love and appreciate you. Well, today I'm beginning a new series for the month of May called Miracles. I hope I can get through this. My voice is giving out. But some of you right now are trusting God, perhaps, for a miracle. Some of you are praying and believing God for a miracle. Some of you are desperate for a miracle. And here's the reason I'm doing this series. I believe that God still wants to do that which cannot be explained apart from Him. I want you to hear that again. I really believe God still wants to do that which cannot be explained apart from Him. I have to tell you that I am a little bit anxious about this series. I'm not anxious about the messages. I feel very confident in the Word of God. 
So I'm not anxious about the messages. But I just know that the word miracles conjures up a lot of emotions and questions. For example, the whole concept of a God of miracles has been often misused. Faith healers and television evangelists promising miracles. If you'll send them money, you can get your miracle. Uh, That leaves us feeling a little leery of this whole concept of a God of miracles. And then there are the charismatic churches that emphasize the work of the Spirit and the miracles as an everyday part of of a believer's life. And that led them to have a name-it-and-claim-it type theology. And I don't think that's scriptural, to have a name-it-claim-it theology. That's, I don't find that in the Bible. I, I don't think that you're in charge of God. I think God's in charge of you. And so some people push back against this concept of miracles. And some people will even insist as they push back against the, the misuse of this idea of miracles. As they claim that miracles are something that God once did. Now, that's something God did in the first century. God did it in the first church in the first century, but God doesn't do those kind of things anymore. That's what some will say, and mainly because of the misuse of this idea of a God of miracles. And then there, the word miracle has been overused also. I mean, just think of some of the things that use that name, miracle. There was the miracle on ice. 1980 gold medal winning a U.S. Olympic hockey team. There was the miracle on the Hudson. 2009, U.S. Captain, U.S. Airways Captain uh, Sullenberger safely ditched a commercial airline in the icy waters of, of the Hudson River and no one was injured. It was the miracle on the Hudson. And then there's that famous Christmas movie that you know about. It's called The Miracle on 34th Street. Products have also gotten in on this idea of talking about miracles there is miracle ear. My wife thinks I need one of those. And then we have something in our refrigerator called Miracle Whip. Now, I know this is going to put me on the bad list for some people, but I actually eat Miracle Whip instead of Duke's mayonnaise. I know, I know. I know, you used to love your pastor. Yeah, he's leaving. But I will tell you, I will tell you, you can come to my house and see for yourself, I do have a jar of Duke's mayonnaise in my refrigerator. I just feel like I ought to, you know. It's just, I do eat Duke's mayonnaise some, but I was raised on Miracle Whip. Uh, but, but, you know, you got, you got Miracle Ear, you got Miracle Whip, you got Miracle Grow. My question is, if everything is a miracle, is anything a miracle? And so we have all kinds of times where we use this word miracle. Maybe you've heard also the story of, of, of this, this dog that, this is a true story, this, this dog that did something that some would call a miracle. And there's all kinds of stories like that that makes us wonder, well, well, what is going on? Is, is that a miracle? There's this dog named Sissy, a miniature schnauzer. Her owner, her owner had cancer and was in the hospital for two weeks. Now, Sissy, the, miracle, uh, the, the miniature schnauzer, had never been to the hospital, had never driven to the hospital. They had never walked that route to the hospital. She had never been to the hospital. But in the middle of the night, after her owner had been gone for two weeks, Sissy decides she's going to go find her owner. She traveled 20 blocks and found the hospital. And the doors are automatic doors, and she walked in looking around like, where is she? I know she's here. And the Nancy, uh, Nancy is the 
the lady that was sick, and Nancy's husband said, she, uh, Sissy found the hospital, she just couldn't figure out which elevator to take. Now, is that a miracle, or is that just a smart dog? I don't know. Life leaves us wondering sometimes, doesn't it? Life leaves us with a lot of questions. And sometimes life leaves us with a lot of pain. And we're left wondering if God will do a miracle. Here's the reason we're going to be looking at this subject in this series. I believe that God still wants to do that which cannot be explained apart from Him. Maybe I can say it to you this way. I believe miracles still happen. I believe that God is still at work in His world. I really believe that. That God is still at work in His world. So in this series, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament to try to understand this God of miracles. And here is something that's very intriguing to me. The opening message of the Bible, the first sentence of the Bible, is that God is a God of miracles. Let me prove it to you. Look on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God... The Bible always assumes God's existence. It never argues for God's existence. In the beginning, God was there. Everything else in the world had a beginning, but God did not. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 92, he said these words, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I want you to understand this link between this God of creation and this God that is eternal. Remember Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that concept of a God that has created the heavens and the earth, that concept is woven throughout Scripture. So when the psalmist is writing this psalm, he's looking at something that looks so permanent like a mountain. I mean, if you pick any mountain that, that you can find, it was there before you got here, right? And after you're gone, it'll still be there because it's a mountain. And the mountain seems so permanent. Yet the psalmist said, before the mountains were born. Or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are, not were, you are God. You see, the reason that we can believe in a God of miracles is because He is the God of creation and He is the God who is eternal. I believe in a God of miracles because this God of creation, this God who is eternal, lives outside the realm of, that we live in. He is the God who created us, and He is the God who is eternal. So it stands to reason to me, the God who did a miracle at creation can still do a miracle in the world He created. So, I want to start with this basic question as we, start, as we launch this series. What is a miracle? What is a miracle? My definition is this. A miracle is when God does something only He can do. God does something only He can do. If you go back to Genesis 1-1, why don't you open your Bibles there. First page of your Bible, Genesis 1-1. I want to show you something in verse 1 and in verse 3. In verse 1 it says, of course, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That phrase, God created... In the Hebrew language, is, is a verb that is only used to describe divine activity. In other words, that word is never used for human activity. 
It's only used to describe divine activity. So when God created, He did something only He can do. Now what did God do? Well, He created the earth and everything in the heavens by simply speaking them into existence. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Why or how did light come about? God simply spoke it into existence. That's why it says in Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of His mouth. Psalm 33, verse 9, For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Or go over to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Over to the right and find Isaiah 44. And you might want to stick something in Isaiah 44 because we'll come back uh, later in the message to Isaiah again. Isaiah 44, verse 24, here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. Isaiah 44, verse 24. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things. Who alone stretched out the heavens and spread out the earth by itself. There it is again, isn't it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that theme is woven throughout the Bible. That God and God alone is the God who created the heavens and the earth. And look how he even says it in this text. Who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. That's why Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And so what is a miracle? A miracle is when God does something only He can do. But I'd like to shorten that definition for you even more. Miracles are those things that can only be described by this phrase, God did it. That's the best way to determine a miracle. You look at something that happens in your world, something that happens in your family, maybe something that happens in your life, and when you look at it, you're so amazed that you have to say these words, God did it. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. How can you explain that? God did it. Moses was standing at the edge of the Red Sea and the water was there and the armies was behind him. God said, raise up your staff, and he did. And the waters parted and he walked across on dry land. Keith, do you really believe that? I really, really believe that because when I look at that, I understand God did it. Joshua, the later they got into the promised land, they got to Jericho and Joshua and his people marched around the city seven times. And when they marched around the city seven times, the walls of Jerusalem fell down because God did it. Naaman was cured of his leprosy because God did it. Daniel was saved from the lion's den because God did it. What is a miracle? A miracle is when God does something only He can do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not confined to the Old Testament. That same idea that this God who created the heavens and the earth can do things we can't do. That same concept that God did it carries over into the New Testament. In fact, when you come to the very first Bible, very first uh, book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, we read about a young teenager named Mary who is a virgin, yet she gives birth to a son. How do you explain that? God did it. Or when you read about Jesus during His ministry, the Bible records that He performed 37 different miracles. And the purpose of each one was to show that He was God in the flesh. Because He was doing things that only God could do. 
fact, Jesus spoke about this very thing. Look at this in John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day and he says to them, Don't believe me unless I do the miracles of God. Unless you see me do what God did in the Old Testament, you don't need to believe me. But if you see me do what God did in the Old Testament, then there are grounds for you to put your faith in me. That's what he's saying. Don't believe me unless I do the miracles of God. But if I do, believe them even if you don't believe me. Then you'll become convinced that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. You see, a miracle. A miracle is something that you look at and you understand only God could do that. That brings me to the second point today, and that this is the foundation of the whole series. Miracles still happen. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say it to you this way? God is still at work in His world. And I base that on Scripture. That's just not my belief. It's just not my thoughts. I want to base everything I tell you on Scripture, so go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying a prayer for the church of Ephesus, the people in the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 3. And when he comes to the end of the prayer, this is what he says in verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's two phrases I want to make sure you get as we look at this verse. The first phrase is the phrase, immeasurably more. That is a doubly compounded word in the Greek language, and it means super, super abundantly. Now to him who is able to do super, super abundantly, the idea behind the word is that God could do far more than we could ever dare to ask. God can do far more than we could even dare to dream that God has the power to do super, super abundantly more than anything you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, can I say to you today, there is not a single problem in your life that can hide from the miraculous power of God. Your circumstances, your finances, the people that you're struggling with, all of those things, are, or none of those things, I should say, are greater than God. And now, there's a second phrase I want you to look at in verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, his power at work in us. Now, watch this. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout, what's the next two words? Throughout what? All generations. Not just throughout the first century. Not just throughout the Old Testament. Throughout all generations. In other words, there's never a time when God stops being God. There's never a time when God says, well, I don't have that power anymore. There's never a time where God says, you know what? I used to do that, but I retired. Throughout all generations. For, and in case you missed that, then he adds, forever and ever. Amen. Now, I told you we we're going to go back to Isaiah, so I want you to see how Isaiah picks up on this idea. Back in Isaiah, this time in chapter 45 and in chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 45, here's what he says, <clears throat> verse 18. Well, let's, let's look at verse 5. It's highlighted in my Bible. I want you to see it. 
In verse 5, he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. In other words, there is no one else like me. That's what God was saying through the prophet Isaiah. And then in verse 18, he says this. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he who fashioned and made the earth. In other words, again, this idea, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That idea is woven throughout the Bible. And here's what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but He formed it to be inhabited. He says, watch this, I am the Lord and there is no other. Sometimes if you hear me pray, sometimes I'll say, we recognize today, Father, that you are God and there is no other. That comes straight out of Scripture. He is God and there is no other. Verse 19, I have... I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Ladies and gentlemen, Isaiah, if you look at that whole text, he's simply making the case, God has not stopped being God. He is the God of all creation, and He is still Lord and God today. He has not stopped, nor will He ever stop being God. And one of my goals for this series is that you and I will have a miracles still happen kind of faith. When I see God answer prayers for which there is no logical answer, I am reminded that God still does miracles. When I see a husband and wife on the brink of divorce turn to God together and He restores their marriage, I am reminded that miracles still happen. When I see someone give up an addiction through the power and grace of God, I am reminded again that miracles still happen. When I see someone run from God for years and then one day they stop and turn to God, I am reminded miracles still happen. When I hear a story about a bill being paid and God meeting a need, miracles still happen. Often I am reminded that God hasn't stopped being God, that miracles still happen today. In fact, the book of James talks about this. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, that is, the Father who created the heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Miracles still happen because God is still at work in His world. And he does not change. Now, in a series like this on miracles, I think it's necessary, especially in the very first message, to pause for a moment and acknowledge that sometimes life happens and there is no miracle in sight. I think in order to be honest with you, I have to pause for a moment and say, sometimes the miracle doesn't come, does it? Some of you deal with chronic illness and disease. Some of you have watched a marriage fall apart. Some of you have prayed for healing of your loved one and you watch them die a painful death. Some of you have had loved ones die in the prime of their lives and they missed so much of your life. Some of you have had loved ones who struggle with dementia or with Alzheimer's. Some of you know the pain of physical abuse. And most of you probably know someone you have a loved one in your family who has struggled with cancer. 
And some of you may be sitting there thinking, I'm so tired of hearing how great God is and how He does miracles because He hasn't done any in my life. He didn't do one in my family. I know you struggle with what has happened in the past or maybe you are struggling with what is happening right now. But can I tell you something about that list I just read you? Listen carefully. Can I tell you something about that list? That list is not church members that I know. That list is my list. That's my family. My extended family. See, just because you have DR in front of your name doesn't mean you're exempt from the problems of life. Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean that all your prayers get answered. That list is my list. My family. My extended family. And one thing I can tell you is that through it all I have discovered God has not stopped being God. I may not always understand it. I may not always get every prayer answered. But I'm absolutely convinced God has not stopped being God. And I still believe He is the God who does miracles. And He has done it before. And He can do it again. I want to close by asking you to go to Psalm 102. I want to give you a verse to take home with you. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verse 18. This is a psalm of lament. It is a psalm where the psalmist is describing some hard times in his life and in his family. And yet he says this in verse 18, Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. That's just one of the coolest verses I've seen in a while. Let this be written, not for me, not for my generation. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. That's us. And then he says in verses 25 and 27, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. There it is again. This idea that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Watch this, verse 26. They will perish, but you remain. There's coming a day when this world will end. And the psalmist understood that. He said, they will one day perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded. The book of Revelation says says that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. Verse 27, but you remain the same and your, ear, your years never end. You remain the same. Ladies and gentlemen, God has never stopped being God. That's why we can believe that miracles still happen. That's why we can believe that God is still at work in our world. Because God never stops being God. Can I remind you that our whole faith rests on two great miracles? 
Can I remind you that, that your faith rests on the miracle of the resurrection, that Jesus was dead and then He wasn't? That Jesus was dead and in a grave and then God miraculously brought Him up from the grave? Can I remind you your faith rests on the fact that God is a God of miracles? But not only the miracle of the resurrection, but there's also the miracle of new life. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In fact, this new creation is so different that the Bible calls it being born again. John talks about crossing over from death to life. It is the miracle of a new life. Our faith rests on the fact that we believe God is a God of miracles. what we want to see throughout this series is that He is still a God of miracles. If you can trust Him for your salvation, you can trust Him for tomorrow. I'm going to end this service a little differently today. I'm going to ask you everyone just to bow your heads. I recognize there are some people online. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as well. You're listening, participating with us. Everyone just bow your heads. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you need a miracle in your life, if you need a miracle in your family, there's just a certain place where it's like, only God can fix this. Only God can help me you need a miracle, I'm going to ask you with everybody else with your heads bowed, I'm going to ask you just to stand and remain standing. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. I'm not going to call any attention to you. But if you just, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you by name. I'm just going to pray. If you need a miracle for God to do something in your life, would you stand right now? There's people standing right now all over. All over. People are standing up. Heads still bowed. Eyes still closed. People are standing all over. Maybe the miracle is for a family member. Maybe you're praying for somebody who's lost, somebody who's far from the Lord. Maybe you're praying for something related to a physical condition that you have, a a medical problem that you have. Maybe it's related to your marriage. Maybe it's related to your finances. But you're in a situation right now, and you know only God can help me with this. Only God can change this. I'm standing, by the way, with you. People all over this auditorium are standing. Every head still bowed. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you. Head still bowed. Eyes still closed. Maybe those watching online, I hope somebody is standing in your living room. I need a miracle. Here's what I want to do. I want this to be your prayer. I want you to hold on to God with these words. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are so many people standing today acknowledging, I need a miracle. I'm facing a situation for which there is no human solution. 
For some of us, we are at the end of our resources. For some of us, we are at the end of our knowledge. For some of us, we are just at the end, and we're not even sure we can hang on anymore. God, there's some people here that you love, and they're standing saying, I need a miracle. I need God to do something only He can do. I need God to help me with a situation that I can't fix. I can't change. And I just want to pray over these dear people that in the days ahead, their faith will be strong. I pray that in the days ahead that you would speak to them, the God who created the heavens and the earth, that you are with them. The God who created the heavens and the earth, that you spoke and things came into existence. Would you speak into their life? Would you speak in such a way that you birth new faith in them? And would you meet the needs of their lives? Would you meet the needs of their families? Would you answer their prayers? God, for your glory, for your name, would you work in a way that we would look back in in weeks to come and look back and say, God did it. God did it. That's our prayer. and That's our desire. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Now, I want everyone to stand. If you would, everybody just stand up for a moment. Heads still bowed. Let me read this other verse to you in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, a miracle, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Let me remind you that His Spirit lives in you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He has not walked away from you. And He has not given up on you. And today you can trust Him as your Savior. I'm going to be down front. I just sense the need to stand down front this morning. We're going to sing a song. And if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you'd like to trust Him as your Lord and Savior, we're just going to sing one verse unless someone's coming. But if you're today, if you're ready to trust Jesus for the first time and surrender your life to Him, I'm going to ask you to come on that very first verse and let me introduce you to Jesus. Father, in the name that is above every name, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your love and your mercy in our lives. And we're grateful that you are Lord and you are God. And there is none other. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.